What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibson, and I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcasting resource dedicated to sharing the stories and detailing the experiences of the sports information athletic communications profession. Uh, forgive me, I didn't realize I sounded like this until just now, but my nose is stuffed up a little bit. We got a little bit of a cold going on, but I uh, just want to say if you're new or you have been here since episode one, I still want to st- extend Sorry, still can't talk. Uh, Sincerest thank you to subscribing and downloading these podcasts over what's become years, and it's going to go on for years. So uh, with that being said, we have exceeded 12,000 listens in our time, and we are continuing to climb. And this week, guys, we have Danny Driscoll from the University of Southwest in Hobbs, New Mexico, which means that uh, we get to cross off another state off our list, and we will go through his time from being an undergrad broadcaster to where he is now. And just a quick reminder, before we do get started, uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to leave a rating and a review. Uh, with that being said, let's get underway with episode 63 of SIDcast with Danny Driscoll and the University of Southwest Mustangs taking it off with his first taste of sports information right here on SIDcast. My very first taste in sports information was when I was in college at, at Wayne State College in Wayne, Nebraska. Uh, I worked at the campus radio station, and you know, we would broadcast all the home events. And I broadcasted football, I did play-by-play. And after the halftime, they brought me a box score. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I, I didn't know what this was. I was like, cool, thank you. And then um, I was able to... You know, did several more games throughout the year with basketball and football, and um, I developed a, I want to say, not a, a friendship, but a you know a working relationship with with the, the SID at Wayne State. His name is Mike Rose, and ever since then, I thought to myself, you know, I could that would be a cool job to do. Yeah. Uh, so when you first got that box score, uh, who did you think was doing that at the time? I had no idea. I. I, I mean, I saw people down there working, but I didn't, I didn't know the, the process of it. You know, I, I probably just like anyone else says, poof, here's, here's a box to work. <laughs> so at what point did you kind of, you, you knew that this was sports information, you knew that this was something that you wanted to work in. So what was the first time that you asked to actually be a part of this? I, so it wasn't until after I graduated and I worked full time at a newspaper for two years. That, you know, when I worked at the newspaper, it, w- it wasn't paying the bills. It wasn't as glorious as you thought it would be. And I put my uh, cover, or I'm sorry, my resume on Cosida, thinking, you know, who knows? Someone might call me. Well, someone actually did. His <laughs> uh, name was Ryan Kaiser. He was at the time the associate AD at Northwestern Oklahoma State in Alva, Oklahoma. And he gave me my first chance in college athletics. Because um, I had the writing background down, but it was the, the stats and stat crew that I didn't. And, and I was there for a year and was able to use that to, to move up in the, the sports information world. 
Uh, so how did you kind of acclimate yourself with the statting experience? Because I'm sure that, because especially for, I'm sure anybody that's ever done this, and especially for me, when I first saw Stat Crew, I just wanted to put my laptop lid down and never think about it ever again. So what was like kind of how you taught yourself? Uh, I'll tell you what, I was so frustrated with Stat Crew when I first got into it. The whole DOS, you know, system drove me nuts. So I thought to myself, why in the heck? Are we using something that was made in 1995 to stack games in 2010, 2011? And, you know, I just had to buckle down and, and learn it. And we had a, uh, a holiday basketball tournament for high schools that we statted. And that was really my first um, in-depth action with stat crew. You know, I, over the course of a weekend, I statted 10 basketball games. Mm. I was allowed to make mistakes because, you know, it was just it was just high school basketball. And all, all they cared about was points. So we got the points right. I didn't care about minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, we just, you know, I just did that all weekend. And after that, I did stats the rest of the year for basketball and baseball and softball. Uh, so what kind of things, other things did they have you do at Northwest Oklahoma State? I mean, was it just limited to doing the sports information stuff? I know that at some of the smaller school, uh, your role might be a little bit more expansive. Yeah. Um, I think one of the coolest things that I was able to be a part of was a rebranding effort that the university did. Um, it was the, the horse and rider logo. If you, you know, if you look at Wyoming, it's kind of similar to their cowboy Um but what they wanted to do was just kind of update that and um, have a primary mark, a sec- secondary mark, and then uh, fonts for the school. And to be part of that was really cool. And then obviously social media efforts was huge. Um, at the time, there wasn't we didn't have a Facebook or Twitter page. So um, that, it was my job to create that. And that's what we we did. And you know, I think we're pretty successful with it. Um, I created a hashtag called uh, RRR. And, you know, on its face, it's like, what the heck does that mean? But um, stands for uh, Ride Rangers Ride, which is actually a term of endearment at the university. And, you know, once we got that, that RRR on everything, it kind of took off. Like the, the, the school's um, store actually bought shirts, said hashtag RR on it, and then uh, at the last basketball game of the year against um, their rival Southwestern Oklahoma State, um, a couple guys painted their chest, hashtag RRR in the front row of the student section, and I thought to myself, you know, that is, it's kind of like, I made that, yeah. <laughs> to see to see that tangible there, and you know, it's it's right there, you can see it, it was, was pretty cool, um, and I think working at a smaller school, you're just able to to do so much more than, than, than stats and writing stories. I mean, you can there's game management, marketing, um, tick, ticketing as well. We didn't have you know a full time ticket person there, but um, I had we had a student a, a student assistant who sat at the door and took tickets, and we called it the ticket op- operations intern. You know, nothing spectacular, <laughs> but you know, it's just. Trying to at that time organize it in an efficient way because when I was there, they were transitioning from NAI to NCAA Division Two. So there's a four-year window there where you can't compete in 
postseason. Uh, a lot of times you struggle against your opponents because it's just a, you know, often, not all the time, but often at the Division two level, um, there's just, just a, a better athlete. And that's what, that's what happened. Um, you know, for the first couple months, we really struggled. But once we hit basketball season, we could, competed against anyone in our conference. We actually beat um, Harding. At, at, at the time, it was a, a top 15 team. Um, and uh, we even... <laughs> So since we were a NAI school, you know, in this transition process, we couldn't claim a conference championship. But at the end of the year, um, the men's basketball team actually was atop the conference standings. So we they gave it a, a de facto GAC championship trophy. It didn't mean anything. Yeah. But, you know, it was kind of cool to be along with that because at, at a smaller <clears throat> school, you're able to be more part of the team. We feel more involved in this definitely a sense of community. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, a couple of things you kind of based off of what you said. Uh, how when we kind of did this a little bit ago. I wasn't here at the time, but when we introduced the new athletic logo or the new Archie logo, um, how did you guys kind of get together and uh, kind of? come up with sort of a strategy for kind of implementing your new brand? I mean, how did the alumni react? How did the students react? Can you spare no detail in that process? Yeah. Um, so we, uh, our, our, our athletic director, his name is Andy Carter. He's actually the, the 80 now at Minot State in North Dakota. Um, he hired Old Hat Creative out of, I believe, Norman, Oklahoma. And they, they do a lot of work across the country. They, they came in and they did focus groups and, you know, talk to students, talk to alumni. And then they, you know, they got all this information together. And then they kind of, from there, they designed it. And, you know, I think, I think at first everyone liked it. I mean, because the old logo looked like the horse was kicking the rider off. Like <laughs> it was falling off. So they, uh, and the hat looked like it was like a, from the, uh, the, the Mexican army. <laughs> so, um, they refine that. So it, he's not being kicked off the horse. The hat looks, it looked better. And, um, we still kept the same color scheme, which is black and red. And then you use white on occasion as like a, a third color, but, um, I really give you an identity and what you want it to be. Uh, which I don't really think to no, no one's fault. They just didn't have that before. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, and then you kind of, and then I promise we'll move on. I just got one more question. When you were kind of like starting those Twitter and Facebook pages, what were some things that you kind of sat down and told yourself that, that, okay, this, our social media has to be this, this, and this in order for it to be created. Um, I would think at, I'm a huge hockey fan. And I, w- I looked across, you know, at MLB and NFL, and I finally looked at the NHLs, and I really liked what the Los Angeles Kings were doing at the time because they kind of gave you a sense of, you know, like if you follow them on Twitter, there's a personality to it. And I wanted our Twitter to have that type of pers- personality. Facebook, not so much. I feel like Facebook is more you share stories, photos. I, mean, that, that's, I think that's what that's for. But Twitter, you can be 24-7 and you know, just be constantly on it. You can't have your 
your Twitter page be active just on game days, and then you know, then Monday, Tuesday, nothing. So like just constantly using it. Um, I think one of the <laughs> one of the funniest things that I can remember was we had a, a humongous snowstorm, and it closed the city of Alva down completely. Like there was no water in town. Um, I lived on campus. I was actually a resident advisor. I'm so sorry, a, a resident assistant, and everything, and, and and the water even wasn't in the dorms either. So it was pretty pretty gross. They had to bring in porter potties, but um. Wow. So <laughs> anyway, besides the point, I'm sorry. Um, they they uh, we created like on Twitter, you know, then this actually happened. Um, a campus wide snow fight snowball fight and a bunch of kids got out of their dorms out of their house and they came up, up to campus and it was just a big old snow uh, snowball fight because on Twitter I set one up and you know it was, it was pretty cool to see that and then kids were taking photos of it and then posting you know um, at um, and I think it's NWOSU athletics it's been a while since I had to type <laughs> that but um, or they and they would take photos of, of themselves with with the, the hashtag RRR you know it was pretty it was a pretty cool thing to see and that's I guess you could say that's a, a social media highlight for myself and I mentioned kind of social media because after your time in Alba you kind of moved down to McMurray uh, University in Texas so and that was kind of with the uh, you know, the social media role. And, and what did that mean, director of social media, mean at the time? Just to get, well, what, what my supervisor wanted was he just wanted more um, more content and he wanted more clicks on the website. And he's like, I don't care what you do, how you do it, but that's what I want you to do. So um, and that's what I did, you know, just created a lot of graphics and keeping Twitter up updated. He wanted, um, his name was um, Dave Byer. He's still the sports in, sports information director there. He wanted like daily trivia and things like that, which, you know, pe- people would, would answer, but, um, you know, he just kind of gave me a, a, a blank slate and let me run, run with it. And when we started or when, when I started, I believe we were at 150 followers and when I left, we're at a little over twelve hundred, so you know that was pretty cool. And then when I left Oklahoma, I was at I think almost two thousand followers. So you know, just to you, you have to create things that are just quick. You know, someone's attention span is three to five seconds. You know, they want to see it cool and then move on. Yeah, you're absolutely right with that. Uh, so what, then you kind of made kind of the jump to the Division One realm. Uh, so what was the job process like of getting uh, a position at New Mexico State? I mean, how, how did you feel when you got that phone call? Um, it's pretty exciting. Um, you know, a lot of us, you know, that's kind of a, a pinnacle for your career is to work at the NCAA Division One level. And, um, you know, I got the, the phone call from Tyler Dunkel. He's, he's now the... Uh, um, director of media relations for the New Mexico Student Activities Association. So, 
anything that the athletics does at the state level at high school, he's in charge of. But anyway, um, no, he was really awesome, and um, we had actually did a Skype interview for it, and you know it was about five to six people across the table. Um, head coach um, of the men's bas- basketball team, Marvin Menzies, um, Tyler, um, some other um, high-ranking le- high athletic department officials, and then people from the, um, the School of Communications and Marketing. And it was about a 30-minute interview, um, you know, just kind of just wanted to know, you know, why do you want this job? <laughs> and I was, you know, that's what it is, why? And I was like, you know, I just would love to work at the D1 level. And, you know, I was fortunate to get hired and, you know, and went to Las Cruces. Um, it's probably one of the favorite places I've ever lived at. It's in the desert, but there's also mountains there. And you can go hike in the mountains and you would totally forget that just a couple miles away that there's a desert. And so I, I loved Las Cruces and so did my wife. Uh, so what was kind of, and I've asked this question before uh, to a lot of guests, but I just want to know your, because everybody's point of view is different. So when you made the jump from those small college ranks and, and then all of a sudden you were propelled into New Mexico State, a Division I uh, institution, what was kind of the differences that you really noticed between the two? Right away that Division One is much more corporate. Um, and that's not, that's not wrong or it's not right. It's just kind of it is um at smaller schools you know you have a sense of community and you know i could right now i could go talk to my my um, ad you know but at new mexico state i would have no reason to ever talk to my athletic director and i i knew when i was there probably about three months in that i don't want to do division one um you know i worked with Men's, men's, men's basketball, swim, swimming and diving, women's soccer. And with men's basketball, you know, you travel everywhere. And, you know, I, I traveled to Las Vegas for the, um, the preseason uh, conference, I forgot what it was called, the um, conference media days. And I was gone for a whole week. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, I, you know, my wife wasn't too happy about that, but you know, she understood that. But you know, we have a couple of kids at home, and you know, she she worked, and then I worked, obviously, and you know, it was just a lot. And I knew then that at the end of the year, I was going to try to to get out and go back to a, a a smaller school because it just was the 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 amount of time traveling was just dead. It was dead, detrimental for us as a family unit. Yeah, I don't think you're, you're not the only one that doesn't really like to travel. I'm one of those people, uh, especially for play-by-play. I mean, we were going, I know it's not that far away, but uh, St. Louis in the middle of a week, uh, like on a Wednesday, I'd have to miss class and everything. That's just not something that really appealed to me. So you made that move, like you mentioned, uh, but you went kind of away from a part of the country that you weren't, really working in before so you found yourself and and for those of you that probably remember we had a, a a member from the NACC on this podcast about a little over a month ago actually almost two months ago now um and Sam Boyle and you were kind of up there at Marion University so what kind of led you to Fond du Lac if I didn't already know 
Well, um, I, I, I wanted to lead my, my own department. And I'm, I'm from Nebraska originally, so it's kind of a, a Midwest thing. And I wanted to go back to the Midwest where there's, where there's snow <laughs> and there's actually four seasons. And you know, I was little, almost, I was there for about two years, um, and I I really like hockey. You know, they have men's and women's hockey there, so it's the first time ever I got to work with those sports. Um, I think I it, I like the the Midwest feel. You know, it's really uh, a fam- family friendly place to live. You know, when you have when you're married with three kids, three young, young young boys, and you know, I really think Fond du Lac is a good place to raise a family. And you no, know, it was from a uh, administrative standpoint. You know, I was also um, involved in several other aspects of the, of the athletic department. Um, you know, I served on the the Hall of Fame and annual golf outing committees. Um, directed all aspects of game day operations you know we, I helped from some coaches you know that would help staff it but at, at the end of the day it fell on me so that was you know it was, it, 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 it's what I wanted but at the same time you know just a lot to do with with raising a family and it just kind of it was at Marion where I was like man I don't I don't know if I can do this for the rest of my life. Just a lot of, a lot of responsibilities and um, stuff that you know. Again, just it's, it seemed like the same thing at New, New Mexico State. Where I was just I was gone from home. Luckily, I was right down the street. But you know, we lived pretty close to campus. But I, I was looking for a job that was more that could that was just better for my family and that's why I took this job at uh, University of Southwest. Um, my wife is from West Texas. I actually met her when I was at McMurray and you know we just and my my day-to-day here is just so much more. It allows me to be a better father and a better husband. Perfect that sounds great but while you were kind of at Marion uh, and I noticed that you kind of spearheaded a lot of operations as far as creating something so it's things like redesigning a website and uh, you know directing a, the Marion Sports Network uh, and then the new hashtag so what was it like kind of having to sit down and create all those things kind of the same phrasing kind of the same question that I had before about Oklahoma uh, so what was all that like? Well um my my athletic director, um, Jason Bartel, he um, he uh, basically wanted me to enhance our video streaming and enhance our, our um, athletics web- website. So, with our website, um, it, you know, when you look at different websites, they have social media kind of built within them, and at and at the time, the website did not. You had to go click a button to go find Twitter or go find Facebook. So, worked with. Um, Presto Sports, and they uh, redesigned it so you can have that. I think it looks much more. I, th- I think it's it's more user friendly now. And um, we also with the uh, the Marion Sports Net- Network, which is basically it, it's stretch internet, but um, we rebranded it so it just sounds better for re- recruiting. And um, we we actually re up with Stretch, and they part of our deal is they they bought us. 
our broadcasting equipment, which was a couple, two really nice high-end cameras, and then all the equipment that goes with that, and then you just pay that off for the duration of the contract, and that really helped too. And then uh, we hired a um, a local play-by-play guy who's been in fucking Final Act forever, and his name is Wade Bates. So to have a professional play-by-play person on every single home broadcast definitely, I think, helped. And if there's one thing that I, you know, I can look back at Marion and be like, you know, that that was, I I helped create that, and um, you know, it's still going strong today is the um, video uh, streaming of every game, and that the the Marion Sports Network they still use it, they haven't changed it, they still used the same hashtag that I created, which is fight, blue fight. And the only reason I created that was because no one else used it on, on Twitter. You know, it used to be go Sabres. And if you typed in go Sabres, it's usually buff Buffalo Sabres hockey. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what uh, we did with that. Uh, when I was looking kind of through your, your whole background there, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit that, yeah, with new technology as it changes and the industry comes up with more and more demands as far as what an SID can do. Um, so what are some things in operations, maybe day-to-day, that uh, have changed significantly since you've taken your roles? Video, more so than anything, has has changed significantly because, you know, five to six years ago, people were just happy with, you know, you put a $150 tripod or I'm sorry, a $150 camera on a tripod, and you set it up, and you're good. You're good to go. You see the action, but now you know you want, you want score bugs, and you want HD, and maybe 4K is coming down the line too. And you kind of the expectation is, well, why can't this look like ESPN? And so you have to, you know, look, luckily there's things out there now. Like um, <clears throat> we use something called pr- Production Truck, which I'm Pretty sure several other SIDs across the country use as well because they're awesome. Yep. But it's a, you know, it's a, a small investment, and you know, it helps make the, broad, the, the broadcast better. Um, you know, at USW we use the same camera that I used in Marion, which is a nice high-end HD camera, and we broadcast over YouTube, and. You know, we do the best we can to make it look like a, profession, a professional um, outing. Right. So, yeah. Uh, um, so, even then, when you talked about uh, you were up at Marion and then you you wanted to get back down to the southwest where your wife was from, so uh, how difficult was it kind of looking for a job in one specific area of the country? At the time, it wasn't very hard because <laughs> the the AD contacted me personally because um, I had a friend that was he he's pretty well well known in the field and my athletic director um, William Widener called him was like hey do you know anyone that would be in- interested in this this position because they, they had a hard time trying to, to fill it I mean Hobbs, New, New Mexico. If you don't know where it's at, it's in the middle of nowhere. But you know, it's <laughs> it, it has six, sixty thousand people live here. It has everything you would want. Um, Midland and o- Odessa is only 
you know, an hour drive. Lubbock is an hour away. You know, I, we never leave Hobbs because we don't have to. But um, on its face, you know, Hobbs is, you know, it's a, it's a hard place to live for some, for some people. But um, he, uh, he contacted me because of the contact that he had. And, you know, he, uh, he called me and just wanted to know if I would be interested. And I was like, yeah. I, you know, because at that time, I wasn't really actively looking, you know, but I was, uh, we always say, you know, if we can get back to that, that, that area, we would. So everything went well. And, you know, my uh, wife is by her, her family now, <laughs> which, which is good. And, um, you know, she, she has a great job and, you know, I, I have a great job and we're, we're happy. We could stay in Hobbs for a very, very, very long time. Good. I'm glad to hear it. So what is it like? For, I'm sure there are SIDs out there who maybe maybe are in the same situation you were in as far as all that goes. Uh, and this is something that we talk about kind of very rarely on the pod, but it is a little bit different every time I ask. So what's it like trying to line up your personal career goals uh, along with a spouse when, you know, there's only certain, well, any job like that, but there's only certain places that you can go with, with this industry? Well, I think the reason why we've been able to kind of hopscotch across the country is because my wife is very, very, very supportive of what I, I do. And, you know, it's one of the things that we first met. I was like, you know, if <laughs> if we get married and you know, we have a family, you know, there's a chance, you know, you might move somewhere you never thought you would move to. And Wisconsin ended up being something like that. And... <laughs> You know, she's kind of through meeting the wives of coaches that I have worked with, and you know, she sees how a coach can end up. You know, with coaches, they they can one year they're at a school, the next year they're at a school, and he, when she saw that happening to her her friends, I guess, or not friends but colleagues, you know, she's like, wow, this this is really this could happen, and no, she's been been great about it. Um, you know, she 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 knows what my career goals are, and right now, some, something would have to totally just blow us out of the water for for me to leave. You know, um, I feel like at USW that I have everything that I need and want. Um, I also teach a a couple classes. Um, uh, as well, and I also teach classes at the local prison, you know, which, you know, people will be like, oh, why, why would you want to do that? But, you know, we're a, uh, um, we're a, a small faith-based institution, and the prisoners that I teach are reformed, and, you know, they, and they are born-again Christians, and, you know, that, that definitely helps. Like, I don't step in there, I don't feel like I'm going to get mugged or beat up, but I feel like that's part of um, my mission and the school's mission is, you know, is to to help whenever we can. How did you, uh, just real quick, how, how in the world did you get to be a part of uh, educating at a, at a prison? <laughs> um, I originally was going to teach some business classes, but... Um, we found out that because I don't have an MBA, 
I have a master's of science, but not a master's in business administration. And I wasn't eligible to teach those classes. And then I got back to the director of the seminary, seminary pro, uh, program here. And he was like, hey, would you want to teach these classes at the prison? I'm like, yeah, let, 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 let me think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, uh, I, I thought about it over a weekend and I was like, yeah, I feel good with this. And, you know, it's been, it's been great. It's probably my highlight is that is to teach those guys. I mean, obviously they're in prison. They did horrible things, but at the same time, I, I believe in the second chances and, and some, sometimes third chances. And, you know, they, uh, you know, they, they're just, they want to learn. They're some of the best students you'll ever have because they hold on to every single word you say. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's been just really a, a experience that I hope that I can continue for years to come. Uh, and let's get back to some, some sports info stuff. Cool story, by the way. I never met anybody that's ever taught out of prison before. So, um, but, uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier, and we talked about this, about the new technology and how this job is changing. So what is, what's an SID office going to look like uh, beyond 2018? I think you're going to see more help. Because um, I think in the SID world, there is a groundswell of you know, burnout. A lot of us are, because there's so much on our plate, already and then when something new comes along it seems like oh well the SID can can do this and I think you saw this past year a lot of jobs open up a lot of good jobs that people like you know I really would love to have that job but um, I think you're going to probably see hopefully more help with you know maybe a couple graduate assistants maybe you know if you're lucky a full-time assistant um so I, I really think that because of what COSIDA has done, they've kind of made it an awareness for um, administrators that, you know, this is happening, that, you know, this burnout is just, it's at an all-time high. You see people leave in the profession. And, you know, for, for example, for myself, I, I have a GA that wasn't here when I first got here, you know, because my boss knows that I need to help. And when it, so when it comes to, you know, to the, the, the front office of the, the, the SID, um, you're, you're going to see more, more help, but you're also going to see the continued demand for um, having quality live streams and graphics and um, Twitter, Facebook, in, Instagram, and growing those and um, trying to maximize those. Uh, so I, I'm just curious. What do you What do you tell your kids you do for a living? <laughs> um, it's it's funny because right now I just tell them I work in sports, and my kids are like, "Well, why do you always have to work on the weekends, Dad?" Um, just like, well, it's just the the way it is, and they they, they think that because I work in sports that I have fun all the time. Uh, that I play, they think I play because I go to basketball games <laughs> and they, I, I take them to a couple of my, my games and they see what I do and they ask, why are you at a computer the whole game? 
are you watching the game or are you just typing to someone you know? I was like, no, I'm, I'm doing stats. And then they say, what's, what's stats? <laughs> but it's just, uh, I just ended right there. And it's like, it's my job, you know, because I can go, because to myself, I'm frustrated, like, oh, I have to tell them what I do. And I realize, no, I don't. They're young. They're five. They don't need to know what exactly this is right now. So, um, you know, I just tell them it, it's my job because they, they compare my job to my wife's job. My wife is a, uh, a restaurant manager, you know, and she, bless her heart, she works harder than I do. That's for sure. And, you know, they, they see her come home and, you know, she's covered in food and stuff. And they see me come home and I have nothing on me. And they're like, you didn't do anything at work today, did you, Dad? It's like, yes, sons. <laughs> uh, so when, when you kind of ex- explain that to maybe not even your sons, uh, maybe some friends that you have, colleagues, students, whatever, um, what do you tell them is the most important part about your job? Um, well, when I talk to them, I tell them that I work in, in, in PR, in public re- relations. That's the first thing I say to anyone that might understand that. But... Um, and I'm sorry, can you repeat the second part of that question? Uh, what do you think is the most important part of your job? Um, telling the stories of the student-athletes. Um, you know, back from my journalism days, I found out that everyone has a, has a story, but they might not, they might not even realize it. Um, so to, you know, to, to tell their, their stories and, you know, put the word out about them, not just maybe as – you know, a basketball player or a baseball player, but as a person, you know, we have a lot of first-generation students that are here, and that was the same case at Marion as well. And you know, that for them to go to college, it's a, it's a big deal. And yeah, just to to tell their their stories and, and and share what 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 they're doing. And then another part that is just I think very very important is you can't spell kids' names wrong. They're not helpful. Um, I think that you see people because of the, the, the time constraints that you have and you're trying to rush things out to, you know, to your website and to local media is things that happens the most is kids names are spelled wrong. <laughs> and that for me, is, I guess you can say that's just a, one of the things that just bugs me and I hate, I've, I've done it and it's one of those things that just stuck with me. A long time ago, is you just make sure those kids' names spelled right, and you're good to go. <laughs> yep, I can definitely uh, uh, have firsthand experience with that. Um, <laughs> a boy on on our roster named Travis. Um, when I first got here, totally thought it was Travis, and just by just by instinct, you know, like it's got to be Travis, right? I mean, who the hell names your kid like Travis? And then and then you know, before you know it, I get two emails from their parents. Yeah. Saying this is how you spell my kid's name, I'm like, all right, that's 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 on me. But uh, anyway, Danny, um, I would like to transition to this part of the interview where I like to ask some fun questions. Um, first one I have for you is your favorite memory in your professional tenure. Um, I would have to say being involved with the New Mexico State men's basketball team when they went to the NCAA tournament. That was awesome. And was. Yeah, it's just such a such a, a cool thing to be a part of, and you know, and 
Yeah, you, you just can't. That doesn't happen very, very often. And what about on the other side of the coin? Do you have a your biggest horror story so far? You know, there's always that crazy parent, and they for for some uh, this drives me crazy. It's this, to, to, to even think about this makes me mad. So we had a kid at a previous school. I'm not going to say the school, just to, but they, um, you know, the reason we lost a game is because they fouled someone when they did not need to foul someone and hit their free throws and they won it. And I mentioned that in our game store because that's what happened. So, so-and-so fouled so-and-so at this time, and then so-and-so hit the free throws to win the game as time expired. And, I, I, I mean, I wasn't going to, you know, as an SID, you're supposed to protect your own brand and your own uh, student athletes. But at the same time, you have to tell the story. I told the story. And I got voicemails. I got emails. Um, I got a letter. Uh, my AD got emails, and phone calls. The um, the NCAA actually got an email, and they they they, they forwarded to my um, AD because they were concerned. <laughs> but um, you know, it, it it eventually just disappeared. Um, I know that my AD talked to the parent. And they weren't allowed to email me anymore. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of like, I wonder what would happen if that happened to LeVar Ball. Would LeVar Ball do that to right. his kids? SID. You know, it's just parents, you know, bless their heart. You know, they obviously want the best for their children. But, you know, it's, there's a fine line that can be crossed sometimes. And that, that's what happened. You know, they're just doing my job. Right. Scared. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of a good little hypothetical. You know, he probably has contacted. You would think he would, right, Lavar? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. He's probably that guy that's probably, you know, my son didn't get enough mention in the story. Anyway, um, so uh, what is one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? To network as much as you can. Um, it's not a what you know sometimes, and it's who you know. And also, you have to take a chance. Um, if you don't take take a chance, the likelihood of you even working in sports and information or even at athletics is very, very, very small. Um, you know, for and I, I go back to when I first got into the, the field. You know, I just happened to put my resume on Cosida, and I happened to get a phone call. And, you know, I, I left a full-time job with benefits and everything to go work as a graduate assistant. And, you know, short-term didn't make sense. My parents were like, what in the heck are you doing, Dennis? And I was like, what was I going to do? And at, at the same time, when I, when I did that, my brother moved halfway across the country to Washington, D.C., and he's their director of athletic facilities now. So... Both, both of us work in, in the field, but we do our different things, and both of us took chances on something that wasn't promised to us. And, you know, we, we both made it work. Uh, when you look around in your conference division, country, or whatever, um, and you look at someone, you say, that is a good SID. What are some things that they do or some characteristics that they have that make you say that? 
I would say it depends on what I look at their, their, their staffing. You know, if they're a single shop and they're able to get stuff out ASAP and, you know, they do video and they, they do everything that you see that is expected in today's world with tech, technology and video and they're able to do that and still get you the information that you need on a, in a timely manner, I say, man, that is a, a good SID. I know that in our, our conference, um, Patty, I can never say her last name, at uh, our, our, our Lady of the Lake, she does a fantastic job. You know, she she has a, some help in her office, but she's always responds to emails. You know, if I, I talk to her on Facebook often if I need anything. She, uh, I think what she does for Our Lady of the Lake kind of is what the conference as a whole, each office should strive for. No, she she just does does a, a, a great job, and she's a Yankees fan, and I'm a Yankees fan, so we get along pretty well. Perfect. Uh, so, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? I would say, for myself, I want to be at some point. You know, it could be next year, it could be in ten years, it could be in twenty years. Is I would, you know, I strive to be in the AD chair. You know, I think you'll find a lot of people want to be an, an athletic director. So what I would like to learn more of is just the um, in, administrative process. You know, what, what do you do when you hire a coach or hire a, a staff member? You know, I've been, been a part of that when I've hired my own graduate assistants. You know, I kind of un- understand that. But, you know, what, you know, what the, the, the people who make the ultimate de- decisions, what do they have to do to make those, if that makes any sense, um, you know, just kind of be involved in the, the the decisions that matter the most, you know, that's kind of what I would like to learn more about and eventually maybe someday make those decisions myself as well. Uh, work-life balance, what do you do to have fun? Um, <laughs> I play video games. I, I, I'm a huge Madden. Um, and anyone's out there can add me at Dennis R. Driscoll, all one word. I'll play you on Madden anytime, anywhere. Um, <laughs> so uh, a lot of what I do is with my kids and my wife. Um, I coach my kids' um, little league baseball team this summer. Um, you know, I I don't coach anything during the fall or the spring because I'm just you know kind of busy <laughs> during that time frame. So you know, but they still sign up for sports, play football. Um, they're really not in basketball. Um, you know, just kind of make sure that our our house is running as efficient as possible. And, you know, I try not to take myself too too serious because at the end of the day, I am replaceable. Anyone's replaceable. So just, you know, just don't take yourself too too serious and it's just a job. Uh, this, <laughs> this next question kind of applies to, to about just about everywhere you've been. You can pick wherever you want because uh, you've been at so many places. But um, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Oh, in Hobbs, it's called the Iron Skillet. It's a breakfast place and lunch place. And it is the best breakfast I've ever had. I absolutely love it. When I interviewed here that's like they took me <laughs> they, I think we'll take we'll take you to the 
iron skillet. And, you know, it's we, we go a couple times a month, and it's it's good food. But then I'm gonna plug my my wife's restaurant in here. There, uh, she she works at, at Cotton Patch Cafe, and it's more of a a southern style restaurant. They have restaurants in Texas and Oklahoma, and, and there's two in New Mexico. But they they have pretty good food as well. It's kind of I compare it to a a uh, it's kind of like Texas Roadhouse, but not quite. Okay. So you know that's good 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 type of food there, and it's the newest restaurant in town. And they just built it last year, so it's clean. <laughs> uh, if anybody wanted to follow on with you, maybe get in touch with you after this interview, what would be the best way to do it? Um, you can email me, um, which is ddriscoll at usw.edu or on Twitter, which is Denny Driscoll. Um, I'm on Facebook as Denny Driscoll as well. So pretty easy to get a, a, a hold of it. I do tweet a lot about like about things that are not sports information, about my anger at the Broncos for not having a quarterback. <laughs> so stuff like that. But, you know, I keep it pretty, pretty, pretty low key on, on Twitter, at least I think so. Cool. Awesome. Well, Denny, thank you for coming on. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you. Guys, there you have it. Thanks for being a part of the growth of the show one last time. And next week, we will have Sean Medeiros. Sean Medeiros, uh, that is from Educat College on. And make sure to leave a rating review wherever you get this podcast. So uh, thank you all for listening. I know this was kind of a quick outro, but I just want to kind of get through this. Not feeling the best in the world uh, the past couple days. So just trying to get over this cold a little bit. But uh, anyway, thank you all for listening. We hope to catch you all in the next episode.